you made over half a million dollars from this that's podcast right. accelerator. Yes, that's right. Last year. So yeah. the accelerator itself, it launched in June, 2020, and it's on track probably in May to cross seven figures. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What's up? What's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Action Academy podcast, or welcome for the first time. I'm your host, as always, Brian Lubin, bringing you the mindsets, the methods, and the actionable steps for you to achieve freedom in your business and life. Now, today's episode, I was totally geeking out because it is one of my friends that I actually partner with and do business with, and that is my podcast coach, Kevin Schmidlin. So what happened was as soon as I joined Go Abundance for the Mastermind and Jason Dries for my mindset, I became obsessed with the idea of finding coaches and mentors to fill in any blind spots that I had and any new projects that I was trying to achieve extreme success as quickly as possible. And so I'm looking around the internet, looking for different podcast tips, watching YouTube videos, trying to figure out how to do this myself. And then I get this cold email. And can y'all believe that a freaking cold email was so good that it led me to this gentleman's podcast, which offered free information, which was exactly what I was looking for, which led me to his free Facebook group, which led me to his paid community. So I'm one of his high ticket clients for his podcast coaching program. And he's one of the ones in the background that is one of the direct results of success for this show and how it's formatted and how it's growing right now. So Kevin began his career as a software developer and realized this was not his calling or passion. So he started up a podcast that was speaking to residents of Philadelphia specifically. And he was able to grow this show to $100,000 monetized and 100,000 downloads in two years. So he became an online sales and marketing expert that used podcasting as a medium to achieve his success. So if you do not have a show or you're not even looking to create a show or a podcast, Use this information for any kind of digital content online, whether you want to do a TikTok account, YouTube, ebooks, blogs, anything. What he says and the tips and tricks he gives will apply to that medium online. So if the idea of making six to seven figures, which he's about to do off of something that's online, completely remote, where you're pretty far removed from it once you have a team in place, if that idea sounds good to you, this is the show for you. As we wrap this intro up, I will leave you with this thought that we discuss in the show, and that is how much cash flowing real estate or businesses would you need to own to generate six and seven figures of income that you can have remotely and semi-passively a lot. So learn how to do this today. Learn how to grow your show. Learn how to grow your online brand. Learn how the social media algorithm works and how to monetize the best and fastest way and most efficiently instead of what everyone recommends doing. Without any further ado, Kevin Schmidlin. Kevin Schmidlin, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm pumped to be here, man. (laughs) I'm so glad that I've got you as one of my coaches and that I've already heard your content because otherwise I'd be fighting for my life with your last name. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You're that's the whole reason I'm doing all this, just because I'm tired of people butchering the last name. That's the whole reason for the whole business. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But anyways, for everyone listening, I will introduce you in my words to Kevin and then I'll let him introduce himself in his own words. But full disclaimer. I partner with this gentleman. He is one of the reasons that this show has taken off how it has. I'm part of his podcast accelerator program. And it's really cool. And I wanted to have him on because Kevin, me and you did not have a prior relationship to any of this. I didn't know you from Adam. I didn't know who you were, what you did, but you actually were one of the few people that I've ever seen that cut through. I have six email addresses. I have six inboxes with my different companies and different businesses that I'm in or run. And your copy and your email cut through all of those. And it was so perfectly aligned to what I was looking to do in my end result, my dream outcome. And I was like, I got to check this guy out. So that led me to your podcast, Grow the Show, which led me to your free Facebook page, which led me to your paid group. And it's a pretty substantial amount of money. I was happy to pay it. And so I'm part of your, I'm your archetype. I went through your entire buy cycle. So I think it's going to be super cool to talk about this today because I did it willingly and gladly. And I'm so excited to be able to show showcase how you go through this process. So that's my introduction for Kevin Schmidland. Let's see in your words, my friend. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. I am indeed a podcast coach. So I, my short and long of it is I was a software developer at a big health insurance company in for four years. Really? Uh, yes. Discovered that I wasn't so passionate about writing insurance software, believe it or not. And so what I was passionate about was my home city of Philadelphia where I used to live. And so I, as a side hobby, launched a podcast because at that point, 2018, I started getting into podcasts as a listener, Tim Ferriss show, how I built this with Guy Raz, a handful of others. And I was like, man, I would love to hear something like this, but about the people in my hometown. So I made it, discovered I was way more, way better. And it was way more fun for me to make podcasts than write software. And so me being ridiculous said, all right, I want to do this full-time rather than writing software. Everyone in my life. So I gave notice, actually. I launched the Philly podcast. It did well for about a month. And then I said, ah, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> gave notice <laughs> at my job. My employees were extremely confused. And I went off on my own doing the podcast thing. I discovered that I didn't know the first thing about marketing, about traffic, about how to get new people to listen to the show. I made a good show, but I was put, I was making it and putting it on the internet and nobody was finding it. Like it got a little bit of buzz, like around launch, like people were like, oh, this is cool, which gave me just enough confidence to leave the job. But just after leaving, taking the leap and after about six months of struggling and doing what podcasters think need to be done in order to grow a show, I kind of, <laughs> things are bad, man. I was going into debt, ran out of saving. I didn't know the first thing. And then long story short, took a break, changed the way that I thought about podcasting, turned to other resources, tried to buck what is the conventional wisdom of how to grow and monetize a podcast. Took the red pill, the blue pill, or whichever. I can't remember which one it is, but uh, basically saw the light and was like, wow, as a podcaster, you have to learn how to bring listeners to your show. It's not something where if you build it, you will come. So I kind of yeah. accidentally learned how to be a marketer. Yep. And in doing cool so, yeah, I was able to bring my show past 100,000 downloads, $100,000 monetized in it in the show's second full calendar year. And then that's when I started hearing from other independent podcasters like, hey, man, how did you do this? And started helping them. And then that kind of evolved into a more formal program, which was launched as Grow the Show in June of 2020. And here we are almost two years, about yeah, about two years later, 
We've got over 200 clients in the high ticket program, several thousand listeners, the Grow the Show podcast, several more thousand on the email list. And now I just talk about podcasts all day. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, and if you're comfortable with me sharing the economics, I just want to make sure. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. You made over half a million dollars from this that's podcast right. accelerator. Yes, that's right. Last year. So the accelerator itself, it launched in June, 2020, and it's on track probably in May to cross seven figures. Okay, cool. So we, so first off, I want to go, we'll zoom out a bit and we'll go into the podcast space in general and about why everyone should go into podcasting. But first I want to hit on that point real quick. Let's stick a pin in that. So when listening, Kevin is going to cross seven figures in revenue and I'm part of the revenue stream. I'm full buy cycle right here. You do not do the traditional method of advertisements and revenue streams from your podcast. Everyone that thinks from an outside perspective thinks that you need to get up to Tim Ferriss numbers and then do one of those ads where you get paid. What is it? The Where you get paid per the amount of clicks? Yep. Per download, actually. Per yeah. You get paid download. per download. Every thousand downloads. Every th- yeah. CPM cost per mil. Mill is Latin for a thousand. So you basically get paid a rate for every thousand downloads that an episode gets by the advertiser. Yeah. So everyone thinks that they can't make money on their show until they're like some Uber success. They've got a million followers on Instagram and then they've got like oodles and oodles of downloads on their show. But you talk about the affiliate model. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, like that one idea I've actually been pretty notoriously bad about going through the course and learning through the course, but that one idea stuck with me. And that's what I do with this show. And every single people listening, we're being transparent about all of this. I'm going to be transparent about my wealth building journey and everything that we do here. There's no secrets. This is in front of the curtain. I'm going to make six figures from this show this year. And it's because of this man right here. How did you figure out that model? And then we'll go into podcasting. But how did you figure out that model, man? Because that yeah. is one of your biggest value adds. Yeah. So I appreciate that, man. And this is, we got to write up this case study. because, like We're going I'm to write so, up, we're going to yeah, write up yeah. the case study. We're making half of it. Right oh, I know. Here. I know. I know. Oh yeah. I'm we're so fired up but, but yes, man. Here, and here's the thing. You're absolutely right. Podcasting is in its early days, man. Like it is, yeah. it's early on, it's nascent. And it's just like the internet was in the late nineties. Whereas for the most part, if you ask somebody in the late 90s, early 2000s, how do you make money with a website? They would say banner ads, right? Like a shoot the monkey banner ad. And that's the only way that people thought of making money online. Today, as we know, there's a kajillion ways to make money online, right? Podcasting, in my belief, is the same way. However, I tend to simplify it. What I figured out is that, because I tried the same thing. I was like, man, I got this Philly show. I've got like 2000 downloads per episode. I at a $25 cost per mil, that's like 50 bucks an episode per advertiser. How many people am I going to have to get to listen to this thing for me to even start to get close to replacing my previous income? Then what I realized is, and I came across this just by thinking, I was like, man, I've got, what if I, I remember thinking one day, I was like, if I had all these listeners in a room, if I had 2000 really passionate Philadelphians, like I know exactly who these people are and Mm -hmm. they're all in a room. Could I get make money from them? Absolutely. And the question would be, how would I do that? And the answer is selling them something. And so through that, I was able to get other ways of making money other than, hey, advertiser, hey, Squarespace, hey, Coca-Cola, give me money to so I can talk about your product. It was instead, okay, I could sell products, either mine or someone else's. And so it was in that moment that I realized that the way that you monetize a podcast is not by selling ads. It's by converting your listeners to customers of something. 
either your business or someone else's business. And when it's someone else's business, either you can do it the old fashioned way where essentially that business pays you a flat rate for you to talk about their product. And then they hope that your ad read converts to customers from their perspective, which a lot of podcasters don't get that. They think the sponsor is just paying them to make the podcast. (laughs) The sponsors don't care if the podcast exists. The the sponsors are paying them for customers and flat rates all cool and all. But if you have an affiliate cost per acquisition model where you go to a product or service that charges a significant chunk of change and you can negotiate yourself a commission on that chunk of change and you've got 500 listeners and you're making 500 bucks, you know, like let's say your product is, I don't know, a 50K mastermind and you get what, 10%? That's like, yeah. That's five grand per person. Do you think you can convert like one out of a thousand people? Probably. And there you go. You just made five grand compared to, a another show would need literally 10 to 25,000 downloads to make that same five grand. Do you know how much work it is to grow a show to 25,000 downloads? All in all, it just came from this realization that we're just very one track minded in podcasting when it comes to how to make money from a show. And so there are some people who are like, oh, like who very strongly believe that a monetized podcast means ads. And they're like, oh, you said you made seven figures from this podcast, but you don't have any ads. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I have a business behind it. And this part, I tell you right now, every single person that has converted into this high ticket program did so by listening to this podcast. And as far as I'm concerned, that's how it got monetized. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is there's this survey and it's done by this group called Brand Builders, Corey Vaden. So I use them as well. And they've got this survey. They surveyed all these people. It's an empirical data survey. It's a study that was done and it's peer reviewed. All the numbers are correct. This is actually like a scientific survey. It was something to the tune of 68% of Gen Z and millennials are more likely to do business with someone that has an online personal brand. 68%. So that means everything from like your doctor, your dentist, like you have dentists having TikTok accounts. You have dentists having podcasts. You have doctors having podcasts. That's where we're going. And if Gary Vaynerchuk has been preaching this for 10 years now, And it's to the point now where if we're not either having a brand around our business at minimum, and then on top of that, having a personal brand, like you're going to be behind the eight ball. That's right. Because, and so everything you're saying is just preaching to the choir because Tim Ferriss, I was listening to his episode and he was talking about how he is viewing podcasting when you ask, Hey, is this too saturated? He's like, look at the percentage of radio dollars transferring over to podcasts. It's a fraction. Yeah. We're not even scratching the surface. Where do you see podcasting going in the next five years? Just to emphasize that point. It's so funny because a lot of people ask me in 2018, don't you think podcasting is a little saturated? Yeah. And the thing is, I've never, have you ever heard somebody say that YouTube's oversaturated? There's 38 million YouTube channels. There's 2 million podcasts. And nobody's ever said, if you say, oh, I'm starting a blog, people are like, oh, don't you think it's blogs are a little saturated? There's 500 million blogs. There's mm-hmm. 2 million podcasts. It's nothing. Like it's minuscule. <laughs> but what's cool about it is so first of all, there's very little competition. On top of that, the vast majority of those 2, two million podcasts that are available on Apple are dead and gone. Like those people have stopped. So there's really only a few hundred thousand active podcasts. And so there's very little competition there. And what's more is that when people listen to podcasts in a very well-defined part of their routine, right? You're there. Like you are not competing with Netflix 
You are not complete competing arguably with YouTube or any of the other things that people can do to be entertained because people consume co- podcasts as a companion medium while they're doing something else that their that their eyes and part of their brain has to be engaged with. So you are like, not only are there is there so little competition with the amount of other podcasts that there are, but you're also not competing with all the other forms of entertainment. So it's so early. There's virtually no competition. It is absolutely not saturated because the vast majority of podcasts that exist, the vast majority of those ones that are still active have no listeners at all, less than 50 downloads per episode because nobody I could rant on about why that is. To answer your question, <laughs> yeah. where it's going is nowhere. Obviously, I have a stake in the game. It's crazy. What's, what blows my mind is the vast majority of people who joined my program, just launched, just started, just entered the space uh, within the past few months. So that the market is growing like an unbelievably fast rate. Um, and so I just don't see, who knows? I'm known, I can't see the future, but I just don't see how or why that growth would slow down. Yeah. So we're asking the question, do you think in five, 10 years that we're going to be more digital or less digital? It's the obvious answer. Like yeah. we're obviously going to be more digital later on. And for when we're talking in sources like streams and different areas of revenue generation right now, and sometimes people get a little icky, like they have a little, they have a little resistance to the idea of sales, right? So they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to force anything on my audience. I don't want to create something and then force things on my audience. This is how I would make the argument about what you do in your model in comparison to that CPM model to where what feels less dirty to you? Do you want to just be taking random corporations ads to plug in? Or do you want to have something that you already partake in, that you believe in, that you partner with, that you do yourself, that you can be able to offer to your audience? And then all of a sudden there's a value exchange going. There's a four-way value exchange. I win because I get to talk to you right now. You win because you get to have exposure of your brand. The audience wins because now after all of this, and we're talking about why podcasting matters and why they should listen, we'll go into how to grow the podcast. The audience wins because they get information. And then the sponsor, the affiliate wins because it's something that would perfectly tie into what everyone's listening here. And it's everyone wins. Where else can you find that besides podcasting? Yeah. Yeah. And just do get so many students and audience members who are very afraid of, they're afraid of being a used 70s car salesman where they're like, oh, I don't want to sell stuff. Because I say like, the only way you can make money from this is by converting your listeners to customers. Like, oh, but I don't want to do sales. Just like you said. But that's the thing, man. Yeah. If you're selling something that they, that the customer doesn't want, that your listener doesn't want, if you're just doing like McDonald's ads and stuff, and yeah, you're being a sleazy salesman. You're trying to sell somebody something that they don't want. But if you do it right, and you pick your sponsors and the products that you feature via affiliates, or if you're like me, the product that you're selling is your own product. If you've done your job, it's something that your audience actually wants, and they're going to be pumped to learn about. They're going to be excited. We people, Americans, we love to buy stuff. We love it. Yeah. We love to be sold. <laughs> we love to be sold. It's our favorite thing, but we love to be sold stuff that we actually want. So that's the difference. Anyone who's afraid, oh, I don't want to sell this. I don't want to be seen as salesy. Like I get it. Just don't be sleazy and make sure that you're actually selling some somebody something that they actually want. They're going to be pumped to learn about the thing and they're going to pay. You're going to make good money having made that connection. Exactly. And as we transition here over into how you went from stage one of Kevin to where you're starting a podcast, 
And you're like, oh man, I thought I'm supposed to create a package that's good content and it's just going to organically grow without any work, which is nonsense. That's going to be the first limiting belief we kill. So we're going to go from that stage of you to the lean, mean marketing machine that you can become. <laughs> but before we get that transition, I will leave it with, with this one statement to put a pin in this to people listening. Think about how much cash flowing real estate you would need to purchase to produce a million dollars, seven figures in income. That is probably a $100 million portfolio of real estate. Think about how many businesses you would need to buy to create that kind of cash flow, that kind of passive income. Because Kevin, like, how involved are you in the day-to-day now? Because you have a team now, right? Yeah, I do. And what's funny is they uh, they keep having to kick me out of the day to day. And that's how we win. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Will you please leave us alone? We're trying to do our jobs. I'm like, okay, I'll go. Like last Wednesday, literally, I caught myself just like getting in their way. <laughs> and so yeah. I literally went. There's a park down the street. I live in Miami now, and I just went to the park. Lives in Miami now. Day. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't so, live. <laughs> yeah, you get different problems. Now my problem is I got to work on being more passive with the darn thing. <laughs> exactly. So let's go into this transition, man. Let's go into this journey. So we have you starting off in where I would place that archetype as every single person that's creating a podcast for the first yep. time. You put the show out and everyone hears, oh, it's word of mouth. It's word of mouth. It's going to grow. Be consistent. Produce good content. Be consistent. But I see time and time again, people putting their hearts and their souls into these shows and they're doing hours and hours of editing. And you talk about this in your course and in your coaching, hours of editing, hours of creating different designs on Canva, guilty. <laughs> but then the show's not really seeing anything from it. So true. where take us on your journey from being that guy to creating a machine behind this. It's been a long journey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The biggest breakthrough was just understanding the feedback loop. And when I stopped just looking around and doing what all the other podcasters around me were doing, and when I realized they're not successful. They are not where I want to be, yet I'm emulating them. And mm. so instead I said, okay, what if I instead looked at the shows that are making crazy money and the entrepreneurs that I want to be like, what are they doing? And maybe I don't. And actually the key to this was I did not emulate what they were doing today. I went back and looked at what they did in my stage and emulated that. So Tim Ferriss, big example. I looked at him, massive show, paid ads and everything. But then I said, all right, well, how did this guy get here? What did his stuff look like 10 years ago before he was before the four-hour work week, before he was Tim Ferriss? Sure, sure enough, when he wrote four-hour work week, he they, his book publisher would not publish or would not market the book. There was no marketing before the behind the four-hour work week. Not even, but it was just like he wasn't anybody. It actually yeah. isn't that niche. He wasn't anybody. There was nothing behind there, just like yeah, like he had to beg them to even publish the book. And so they said they wouldn't put any marketing dollars behind it. So he had to do it himself. So what did he do? He took a topic that by the way, applies to virtually anyone. Four-hour work week, which is about how to optimize yourself, achieve in four hours of work what you're currently achieving in 40 hours of work. That applies to literally anybody on the planet. But Mm -hmm. if you don't have an audience, you can't go after everyone on the planet right away. It's just not going to work if you don't already have an audience. So what he did was he niched down, he took his thing, which wasn't niche, and he niched down to the civic audience that would get the most value and that these concepts would resonate most with. He actually picked two. He picked tech folks in Silicon Valley and finance folks in New York City and just attacked those groups of people. It got guest posted on blogs and just was on just wherever he could be so that those folks saw him everywhere. 
somebody in literally anywhere else in the world would not have heard about the four hour work week, but he mm-hmm. went all in on this small group of people. Again, small, really, really niche. Thousand what happened? Exactly. What happened was he got the stereo effect. Everyone started reading it, talking about it with each other. That group carried the book, the bestseller list, and then his audience exploded. So I was like, okay, what if I did something like that, where I went all in on one group and started to work and interact with them and just focus instead of being so worried about reaching as many people as I possibly can go as deep as I can in one group. And how would that work? And then that's what worked. Even in Philadelphia, I had to niche down. And so that was just one insight, which the big transformation was instead of looking around at people who aren't successful and emulating them and doing the canvas and the audiograms and all that stuff, man, I spent so much time on audiograms. I had this realization, looked at the audiogram that I was spending like four hours a week making audiograms myself in video editing software. Now there's all these tools that'll do it. But in any, but I looked and said, okay, I'm spending all this time on this thing. What is it actually getting me? Mm-hmm. One week I said, you know what? I'm This week, I'm not going to spend the four hours making the audiogram and I'm not going to post one and I'm going to see what it does to downloads. They went up. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I can't imagine your face. So I'm like, all right, maybe what everyone else is doing here isn't what we should be doing. And like I said, I started investigating what successful podcasters are actually doing. Took a whole weekend, walked 20 miles around the city of Philadelphia and like listened and skipped through the top 100 podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Notice patterns, stuff that mm-hmm. we little podcasters weren't doing, started doing those things. And then it took off and I made six figures in a year. <laughs> I started teaching other people. <laughs> yeah. And if for people listening to this show, I mean, I'm sure that all of you have noticed the drastic changes that I've made in such a short time. So before I would begin with like the halfway intro and then I'd go into the show and there wouldn't be too much transition. Now we have a cold open, which is like every popular podcast. Every single thing that I do on the show is just tried and true. Don't reinvent the yep. wheel. Exactly. So cold open for a, from a really good quote. That's in, within the show. And then we have a professional intro. And then I'm going to come on just, I'm going to record after this. I'm going to record an intro that's going to tell people, hey, here's why the heck you should listen to Kevin Schmidlin and me rant about podcasts for an hour and some change. Like, And then so you're going to get bought in because I'm going to sell you on the idea of why the podcast is worth it. And then you get into the show. And so like that method that was learned. And then you just make small tweaks as you go. But that's interesting that you say about the Canva thing, because I notice on podcasts, Instagrams, it's just the same thing over and over. It is. And here's the thing. Everyone who hears my voice right now as a podcast listener has, have any of you ever discovered a new podcast by seeing an audiogram on Instagram? Never. Not once. It's not how people discover podcasts. So I'm of the kill audiograms camp. Like, like when, when my clients in the accelerator, cause we, we have a done for you component where mm-hmm. we will help with editing and content creation. And we're at the point now where they're like, can you make my audiograms? And we say, no, we need you to stop doing that. Cause it's not helping you. It's not doing anything for you yet. It's still what everyone thinks is going to grow their podcast. Kevin, I do have one question though. I do have one question. I don't understand why this is popular, but it is popular. And now I'm doing it on my Instagram and for everyone Obviously, I just changed my sort of different kind of medium on Instagram now and my posting schedule and everything. Why why is it so popular to have a screenshot of the tweet, man? Uh, <laughs> it goes off. It does, man, because it's everyone's it's, doing it. It's micro because it works. And it does. That's, I'm doing it, it now. And honestly, that's why everyone's still doing audiograms as well, because it used to work. There was a time where on Instagram, that thing where it was a photo and a quote with like a cool visualizer, like 
that was really cool on Instagram. Instagram had just introduced video. There was there used to only be images. So oh, the no, fact that obviously. some and so at that point something that was moving was interesting, and also it had audio. Oh my gosh! So there was a time where audiograms did work, but then very quickly, twenty or late 2018, early 2019, it stopped working because it became overplayed very quickly. And Instagram started introducing way more engaging forms of video. People figured out how to make it more interesting. And so I think the tweet is probably going to be the same thing where right now it's popping off because it's really good content. People will comment on it. It'll get engagement. It's just good. And it's easy to repurpose. So yeah, hop on the trend when it's working, but the key is to continue to watch and notice when it stops working and stop doing it when it stops working, which is what most people don't do. Let's segue there. Talk about how the social media algorithm actually works, because I learned that in your course. And that was mind blowing to me because for us, it's some mind blowing out in the sky algorithm. And all of us want more engagement on our posts, whether it's for our business, for our personal brand, or if you're even posting like a picture about where you went to dinner, like we all want engagement. Can you talk a little bit about why and how Instagram is, how it is now and how Facebook is? Because I've, it's changed drastically and it's yeah. changing. Yeah, it does change, but really to understand like, uh, yeah, the algorithm in the social media world is the big bugaboo. Everyone's like, oh, the algorithm, I got to figure out how to hack the algorithm. Dun, dun, dun. In reality, the algorithm is just computer code that takes notice whether it's human users like the content or not. And I don't mean like double tap. I mean, they like like it. They enjoy it. And it's basically, do they interact with it? Does it get them to write a comment? Because spoiler alert, social media companies want us to be social on social media. So does the content actually, (laughs) does the content actually inspire people to to comment and interact with the poster or people other people who commented do they actually look at it so one of the biggest pieces of the algorithm is just how long somebody spends looking at the thing if they scroll right past it immediately that tells the algorithm that wow that wasn't something that really got their attention or was interesting to them a lot of time has have you ever been at somebody's house and they sat down and showed you pictures of themselves on vacation do you really want to sit there and look at those pictures? No, but in, but that's what we do on social media. And we wonder why the algorithm won't show it to anybody. It's because people don't want to see it. They want to see stuff that's really either educational, empowering, or entertaining, like really entertaining. And so anything that you post that isn't empowering, educational, or entertaining, that doesn't get people to A, look at the thing for as long as possible, whether it's a video or an image or read the text, and B, actually interact with the thing, double tap that they like it or write a comment that they agree or they disagree. If none of those things happen, then the algorithm is going to be like, man, this is not content that's going to keep these people on this app looking at our ads. So we're not going to show it to anyone else. And so that's all you need to understand. And yes, the algorithm changes all the time because sometimes these social media companies have different incentives, right? So for example, right now, Instagram is really trying to fight TikTok for our attention. So they are disproportionately giving organic reach to Reels because they want people to watch Reels because they don't want them to go to TikTok to watch that. So they throw a lever into, they flick a switch in the algorithm that says, hey, when people post Reels, show it to thousands of people. Meanwhile, they really have no incentive for us to look at photos, right? So if you just post a photo of your family or an audiogram or something, Instagram's not going to show that because they want people to watch reels. So that's really all, it sounds complicated, but once you just get into your head that like stop optimizing for the computer code, that is the algorithm and understand that the algorithm is optimized for the human beings who are consuming the content and just skip the algorithm and optimize for the people you're trying to reach 
post stuff that they're going to actually get value from and enjoy. And suddenly you're going to be one of those people in where one in your life is like, wow, they get social media. Hey, can you help me with my social media? You seem to get it. No, you, you just <laughs> post stuff that yeah, you just post yeah. stuff that people like. That's it. I know that's difficult for some people to hear. They're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I hear that all the time. The, yeah. Oh, I'm the like, algorithm's hey. out to get me. It's like, no, yeah. your, your content sucks. Uh, it's a hard pill to swallow, but sometimes you just got to drink a little bit more water. <laughs> yeah, drink some water and get back to work. Yeah, so if we can, so for people that are listening, I want to get into the rest. I want to be conscious of your time here and take sure. us in the rest of the marketing funnel here because that's equally as interesting to me as the podcast itself. But yeah. if you had maybe another like top two or three tips for people that are just starting out with a podcast or they're thinking about starting a podcast about different things that they can do to help grow that out you are dollar productive activities to help it grow outside of just producing the content. What would you yeah. say for maybe two to three things? Yeah. So the first thing, number one is you want to have a really specific idea of who your listener is. Podcasting is not a medium to go for volume. If you want to get massive, get a massive show with sponsorship, good luck. Sure. That show will work for literally everyone and their mom and anyone. But the number one thing that you can do to get success in podcasting is to define your audience super specifically. And the way that you do that is to pick three objective characteristics that every single listener of your podcast must have. Your podcast is not for anybody who does not have all three of those characteristics. This is the place where I get the most resistance from podcasters because they're like, well, I want anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship and real estate to listen to the show. Like it's for anyone who's interested in real estate or investing or money or economics. It's like, no, you need to pick three things and every single listener of that of your podcast must have those three characteristics or it's not for them. Start there. And then before you record anything, interview 12 people that you personally, or that you can get in contact with who all have those three characteristics and just ask them, think questions about the topic at hand, right? The topic that you want your show to be about and see if the show that you're thinking of making is something that people actually want to listen to. The biggest mistake you can make is to have this grand big idea for a podcast, spend tons of time and sometimes money developing it, and then launch it, put it on the internet and see what happens. It's all going to be a waste. I'm telling you that right now. So it's listener first. Think about who the show is for and the outcome that it's going to drive for those people. Go see if you can get 12 people manually to listen or to at least talk to you about this thing. And if your question is, how the heck can I get in touch with 12 people? That You're going to have to answer that question before or after launch anyway. You're going to have to find people to listen. If you don't have 12 people you can get in touch with, maybe social media is not for you. That's right. That's right. I have yet to come across some people. I have yet to come across somebody who can't come up with 12 people in their niche, but I'll tell you right now, my program and the podcast, all the free content, it's all about growth and monetization, right? It does teach growth tactics, it teach marketing and monetization tactics, but time and time again, people join the program and they're like, literally the most valuable thing that I've done is literally just go interview 12 of my listeners because I have such a good idea of what they want, what they need help with, what they're excited to hear. And the best is the words and phrases that they use to describe themselves and their problems. If you just take that and mirror it back to them in all in your show, then people will find the show and they'll be like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I can't believe this exists. And at that point, they're listeners for life. And that is when you get word of mouth because they're going to tell 12 other people who are who have those three characteristics. So I know I'm in the abstract right now. It's not like a, a tip or trick. All the tips and trick don't mean anything 
if you don't have a really solid idea of who it is you want to serve with your show. It's where most people skip because it's uncomfortable. Everyone wants to have a big, wide, broad audience that they're you know, serving all entrepreneurs of why literally anybody across the world, like wide yeah. variety of people. It's like, you can get there eventually. But before we talk about having an audience of a million, why don't we focus on getting a hundred first? And that's where I recommend everybody start. Lewis Howes. For people listening to School of Greatness, 350 million, 350 million downloads and growing on his podcast. One of the top podcasters in the world. You know what he started as? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. He was the guy for LinkedIn. He taught people how to grow their LinkedIn following, how to post the best LinkedIn content. I know a lot of you are probably like, are you kidding me? That's how Lewis. Yeah, that's how Lewis Howe started. That you was name, his name. Name any huge, big name that you admire that is a self-made audience, right? Where they weren't put on TV or something. Every single one of them, if you go back and instead of comparing yourself to them today, compare yourself to where they were at your current stage, you will see that they were doing one really specific thing. Name any podcaster. Joe Rogan did Rogan. 10 years doing stand-up. Then Based he did 10 comedy. years. He was the Fear Factor guy for 10 years. 10 yeah. years. All he did was Fear Factor. And then he then like, MMA. You know, then MMA, right. So you level up, right? You start with one thing, go all in on it, crush it, get raving fans in that space. And those raving fans will carry you to go to the next thing. So I know that you're super multifaceted. You want to talk about entrepreneurship and music and finance and all these things. Trust me, you will just pick one for just one year and watch how much faster you'll be able to talk about the rest of the stuff. And be the freaking expert at that one thing. It's like the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Pick your one thing. And then also there's another book that's like the one cut where it's like a surgeon isn't paid to come and do all the admin, mm. all the work in the hospital. You're paid to come in you're paid 20 years of experience and training to go make one tiny incision, walk out. Yep. So what's your one cut? And a perfect case study of what Kevin is saying is when I launched this show, I had everyone and their moms listening to it. They said, oh, Brian's got a show and it's awesome. And I appreciate them so much for the love just because the social connections I have. And my aunt was listening and my girlfriend, God bless her, man. She was listening. Now she said, I'm sorry, baby. I missed the last couple of episodes because it's just not really interesting to me anymore. Good. I'm doing my job. <laughs> it's the best news I've gotten all day. <laughs> I was, she was so confused. I was like, baby, yes. That means I'm ratcheting down. My niche is complete because oh I've got God. the 15, 20 guys that are in a group. And here's the thing. It's like when I was picking my niche, and this advice I would give to all of you sorry, is I would say, oh, you're good. Is I would say that pick a niche that's talking that you enjoy actually hanging out with. And like, they're people that you enjoy communicating with because my buddies are who I wanted to talk to. And I, they were like, oh, dude, this is so interesting. And I was like, dude, I'm so interested in being interesting to you. And it just gets you fired up before we go into the next thing. TDE. We got to talk TDE. <laughs> got to talk yes, TDE, yes, yes. man. TDE is what everyone and don't worry, guys, we will tell you what TDE means. All you have to do is just give us the passcode and pay for Kevin's course. And then <laughs> now we're going to tell you here, but it is the number one thing to growing your business, growing your brand, growing your YouTube channel, your Facebook audience, your email list, any single thing that you have of monetary or fiscal value online. This is how you grow it. Kevin, alley-oop, dunk it. So there's three things that you can do on social media at a given moment. You can consume, scroll, which is what the vast majority of humanity spends eight hours a day doing. 
You can publish post-post, which is what most business owners think you have to do to grow your audience and grow your business on social media. But the third thing that you can do is what most people don't do, which is to engage. Boom, done. Be engaged, like actually be social on social media. And so what targeted daily engagement is, it's a simple framework where you spend 15 minutes a day engaging online on social media with your target audience. Targeted is the key. So go back and listen to the first half of the show where we talk about if you try to be vague and you try to just look for people that are interested in real estate or interested in entrepreneurship, it's too broad. Blanks, who blank and blank, three characteristics. So you have that group, you say, okay, 15 minutes every single day, I'm going to go into social media. I'm going to either go into Facebook groups, or maybe I'll go into the comments of the posts of people who are four chapters ahead of me, like Lewis House's posts. Every time you post something, there's 10,000 comments. You can interact with those people. There's a million different ways you can go. Just think, where does your target audience, your target customer, target listener, target viewer, whatever it is, where do they go to consume content online? You go there and then you do not promote yourself to them. You participate on social media with them. Don't promote, participate. So instead of going there and being like, hey, I've got this thing to offer you, that's when you feel like a 70s used car salesman. Instead, just participate. Share your opinion. Answer their questions. Celebrate their wins. Just be the life of the party. Social media is a party, right? If you walked into a party and everyone you talked to, you just right away said, hey, how can we do business? You think people are going to want to talk to you at that party? No. You interact with them, make friends with them. And then later, Hey, I really, I heard that you're into this. I really think we might be able to work together. Here's my card. That's how you get customers. It's the same thing on social media. It's just at massive scale. And so set a 15 minute calendar appointment in your calendar for those 15 minutes every day. Don't scroll, don't post, just engage with people and watch your audience grow. There are people, I just actually just shot a Facebook ad that shows the social proof essentially of watching my free masterclass where I teach targeted daily engagement. And there are tons of people who did not pay me, did not join my program, but they have grown their audience up to a thousand percent in 30 days. And by the way, we have percentages. Yeah. What did they have? Like 10 people. There are people who've gone from 4,000 to 6,000 people in their audience in 15 days, just by doing this 15 minutes a day of targeted daily engagement. It freaking work. So just give it a shot and you will start to see results virtually immediately. It's crazy how effective it is. I Sometimes I can't, like people come to me and they're like, Hey, I listened to your podcast episode about TDE. And I literally, there was somebody who went from 1300 downloads an episode to 6,000. <laughs> and I'm like, could you send me screenshots? Cause that's kind of crazy. I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm even doubting my own framework, but it, it freaking works. And it's hands down for any online presence. There are people, there are influence, Instagram influencers who listen to the Grow the Show podcast. They are not podcasters, but they just implement this thing and they've grown their Instagram account. So literally you want to grow any audience online, literally 15 minutes a day of actually interacting with people rather than trying to post up and just like post content all the time and your audience will grow way faster. Yeah. And another testament to the power of niche too is like this show gets maybe like 500 downloads an episode, but it's a powerful 500. And exactly. I'm intentional about that. And I realize that every single person that's listening to this show right now, I know a lot of them and they are high level people, high level people. They are doing big things. And that's why that's who we cater to. I'm going to talk and- high level concepts with high level people. 
And yeah. so there's power in that. You don't and need it, 10 million downloads an episode. Exactly. And what says a lot about you and what you're doing here is that you are not getting caught up in the vanity metrics of how many followers, how many downloads, because you understand that you can't pay your bills in followers. You can't pay your bills in downloads. And so if you have a small group of people and you're able to provide a ma massive amount of value to those people, and oh, by the way, also present them some products and services that they probably would be excited to learn about and get a cut from that, you have yourself a six-figure business right then and there. And you don't even have to look at your download number or your follower account. Like it just doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. It's just, it's just insane how all of this just works and works. And it's like the same with your show, like your show probably, I know you're doing well, but like, you're not getting like hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Oh no. We get like 1500 downloads per episode ish, but it's, and it's kind of ironic because I'm the grow the show guy, but I have not prioritized downloads. I prioritized dollar in two years, this show with, it has not even crossed a hundred thousand downloads yet, which my other show Philly who did, but this show is making 10 times amount of money. We're making on average $12 per download of Grow the Show. Whereas if you do the type of monetization that we talked about earlier, where you sell ads, you get $25 for a thousand downloads. Downloads are cool, but money's way cooler. <laughs> and then you talked about one of the statistics that actually is a KPI is the listen through rate, right? About like yeah. the retention rate. Yeah. You know what mine is for this show? Oh, I'd love to know. 87%. <laughs> I'm not surprised that it doesn't get much better 87%. than that. 87%. And I'm and, doing hour-long, high-level concept episodes. 87%, the lowest one that I've had is 60, 68%. Wow. And that means that six, that means that 87% of all of you that then listen to an entire episode in one sitting. Which that's is right. bananas. Thank you for all of you. Yeah. I guess we're kind of interesting. <laughs> hey, if they're still here, they can hear. We dabble. Man, we have gone. God, I wish we could just go ahead and riff on this for a couple more hours, but I'm sure that both of us would enjoy doing that. But honestly, as we wrap up here, it is St. Patrick's Day, and I do have to go down to Atlanta. And I don't want to overload everyone here with all this goodness. Would you be willing to come on for another episode and talk oh. about like the marketing cycle, the funnel? having an irresistible offer, webinars, all that good stuff. 100% would love that. Okay, cool. So we, we've got commitment and I'm going to have my lawyer draft a legal document to hold <laughs> to it. Hey, you and got, it's recorded. It's recorded, on a recorded yeah. line. I had to yeah. click, yes, I'm okay with him recording. Like we're, I think you're covered. We'll book something out for maybe next week or a couple of weeks down the road, but we'll go into how you go about your email list and growing your email list, how you sure. go about having your Facebook group set up and how you have a free Facebook group, which is like the baseline. And then, so that's accessible to everyone. And then you have a level up from that, which is obviously where I'm in. And we'll just, we'll go from there. But if you were to have any more parting words to people that are not only looking into podcasting, but let me tweak the question. If you could have any words to people that are looking into podcasting, about how they can be one of the statistics that stays instead of the majority that leave after seven episodes, what would you say? We kind of covered it. It's if you have a specific audience and you have a specific outcome in mind for that audience, like you have a reason that the show exists and it's not because you like talking to people and it's not because you want a large audience. It's there to serve the people that are going to listen to the show. That's step one. And then step two is you don't have to go crazy with editing or anything like that. Like if just do what Brian does, have a killer intro, spend the mm -hmm. first two minutes of your episode selling the listener on listening to the rest of the episode, and then simply deliver on the promise that you made in that first two minutes. And you're going to be good to go because the vast majority of podcasters lose people 
uh, they lose their listeners within the first minute because they just beat around the bush. It's confusing. They're just like, oh, let's talk about the weather. Before we begin, I want to tell you about, boom, I'm gone. So that's kind of it. And the same thing is true across any content. It's like, just cut to the chase, deliver some value, empower, educate, or entertain somebody. And not only will you have an audience member, but you'll probably have yourself a customer down the line if you keep doing that too. Yeah. And then having that sense of purpose will keep you out of the podcast graveyard of 80% of the shows that are on listen notes because they're inactive because it's somebody that tried to do something for about a month or two. They just started their podcast, their mom, their cousins, their aunts, every single person that they ever knew listened for two months. And they were like, okay, cool. We're bored now. This isn't actually offering value on the next thing. And then they give up. And and a lot of it is because they were looking at the other podcasters around them that they got advice from who also don't have any listener base. And so they did what those people do. And then they don't have a listener base. And then after three months, podcasting is a lot of work and they don't get any reward because they don't spend 15 minutes a day interacting with people on social media. Instead, they just post, post, scroll. And so after two months, they look around and they're like, hmm, I guess I'm not cut out for this podcasting thing. When in actuality, it's just the actions that they took were not the actions that actually grow a podcast. It's actually less work. The vast majority of podcasters who have no audience are working more than podcasters who have an audience and actually just understand how to grow an audience. It's crazy. These people are working more, they're getting less, and then they quit. All right, everyone, you heard it here first. Work less, focus on to the four-hour work week point, focus on that 20% of actions and activities that are going to drive 80% of the results. Do what you got to do. Follow the people, follow the money, follow where who is actually profitable, who actually has an engaged following to where it's not just a bunch of bots and just stick to it. Niche down, stick to it, put your head down. And then all of a sudden you'll pick it up and then you're doing something that you love. You're able to go travel around the world like I'm about to do. And you've got a podcast running that's producing the revenue that you need to fuel that. And then all of a sudden, everyone's happy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, must be nice for that guy. Yeah, must be you're nice. lucky. You're, you're lucky. lucky. Oh, you got a lucky break. Yeah. So, Kevin, as we leave here, where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah. So the Grow the Show podcast is the best place to start. You can find it in the app that you're using, you're using right now to listen to me. But if you want an hour-long crash course on how... I got here and our four steps to growing a six-figure podcast, which you can get there pretty freaking quick if you actually follow them. <laughs> Brian's case yeah. in point. You can go to growtheshow.com slash masterclass. It's all right there. There we go. And that is an example of an offer. And that is what we're going to get into in the next episode, part two. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for being the part of that 87%. If you're listening to this right now, you freaking rock. Give yourself a high five, you badass. Thank you all. This is Brian Lubin and Kevin Schmidley signing off with the Action Academy podcast. You've been listening to the Action Academy podcast, helping you to choose what you want with who you want when you want. You've been given the gift of freedom. Don't turn your back on that. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope you've gotten some practical and useful information. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media. Remember, financial independence is freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Freedom fly.